We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the Brotherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I have Matt Schrader with you uh, as well, my co-host. We're still trying to figure this thing out. So this is technically episode three or four, depending on how things get released. But I'm really excited about how things are going. I'm starting to get some good feedback from people that have tuned in. I'm seeing the, the, the listens. I'm seeing people from Oklahoma and Texas and California and all sorts of different places listening to the podcast. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You guys are just as much a part of this uh, as uh, you know the local people here in the Tulsa area, because I think brotherhood as an idea and as a ministry is much larger than the Tulsa area. So we definitely want to welcome you and encourage you to keep tuning in. Uh, we're still trying to find our flow with this a little bit and, and, and really identify uh, you know, how many podcasts we'll be releasing. I think sometimes the content is going to dictate this as well. Um, we're actually in a really uh, unique situation today because uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about not necessarily a brotherhood breakfast. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about a message that uh, our pastor, Whit George, uh, spoke about. The message, I think, was really timely. And I it's, it's something that I'm excited about. And uh, Matt, I know that you've talked a little bit to, about uh, a little bit with Brett Wilson, who's speaking at the Brotherhood Breakfast coming up. Uh, and I think this ties a little bit in can, kind of the direction that things are going there. So uh, I think everything's kind of culminating together in terms of, you know, maybe this message that we need to hear right now. What do you think, Matt? Absolutely. And of course, it's great to be back on with you again, Evan. Uh, This Brotherhood podcast is doing such a tremendous work in getting a message that God has for the men of our audience, uh, a message that God has for them specifically. And I think that ties into what you were just saying. I've learned with my own walk in Christianity, anytime you start to hear things a couple different times from a couple different places, is because God's trying to say something to either you individually or the body at large that you're a part of. You know, whether it's this case, if you're a church on the move or your brotherhood audience, or you're just a man in this walk of Christianity, or maybe even considering it, you know, if you're getting a message over and over and over, I think you have to sit down and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say? What do you, what's going on here? How does this drop into my kitchen right now? Let me just give you some open space for that. And I think you're right. Brett Wilson is going to talk about this. Pastor Witt just talked about this. And really, the, the more I look, I see this message uh, broadcasted over and over, at least in my life. So that's what I'm doing. I, I want to know, what are you trying to say, Lord? <laughs> I'm just going to say how it is. I think sometimes I'm just too thick-headed, and so I got to hear it a couple <laughs> times before it to sink in. So, you know, uh, I, I'm glad that uh, glad, glad that we're digging into this a little deeper because, you know, for me too, as as I've listened to this message a mo- uh, more than once, I've gotten a little bit more out of it each time. And I think that sometimes I don't know about you when I, when I go to church or I hear a great speaker, um, in that moment, I'm just sitting there going, wow, this is really great stuff. This is really interesting. This is really intriguing. But a lot of times I don't go back to it. And so it inspires me, but what am I doing with the inspiration? And so the cool thing for me is with this podcast, it's, it's forcing me a little bit to, to dig a little deeper into some of this, but then also to look at it from a perspective. So I think the message itself, like we'll talk about the scope of the message. It was a great message, um, specifically for uh, being healed or being well and finding hope in your relationships. But I think for this podcast and for what we're going to talk about today, we want to we want to put a little bit of a lens on it. We want to we want to look at it from a perspective of how does this impact us from a brotherhood perspective, specifically for men, specifically for guys in their leadership roles at home in their spiritual walk, and in uh, just how you lead yourself. And so, you know, hopefully, uh, as we're talking about some of these things, we'll kind of we're gonna I'm gonna try to keep bringing it back to that because what I don't want to do is I don't want to just uh, regurgitate everything that Witt said. I think that some of the talking points that he has are are really great, um, and I want you to go and listen to that that podcast. So you know, if you're if you're taking notes right now, or if you're like, man, I really want to hear it. it's October 25th, 2020, uh, and I believe it's called "Do You Want to Be Well," um, and that's on the Church on the Move podcast. So hop over there, listen to that, and 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 enjoy that part of it. Um, but we're going to talk about it and hopefully add a little bit more insight and context uh, to what he had to say from a brotherhood perspective. 
Yeah, that's great. I think from a brotherhood standpoint, this is key and it almost goes unseen. You know, Pastor Witt, he asked that question, do you want to be well? He starts off with that. He ends with that. And in the middle, he makes this case that a lot of times we really don't want to answer that question. We think we want to be well. Of course, we want to be well. But answering the question is a little bit more difficult saying yes. You know, he's speaking about uh, the story Jesus tells about the man outside the pool of Bethsaida, I believe it is. And he asked them, gentlemen, do you want to be well? And he's asking us the same question. And throughout the message, you find that he starts to kind of play with the different circumstances, different situations we find ourselves in. And we have, where it's presenting that question to us. Do you want to be well? Yeah, it's uh, John 5. And uh, he's, he's talking about uh, a little bit of the backstory. He's talking about that the man had been there for 38 years. Uh, and so... I'm 39 years old, so that's almost all of my life um, that I would be reclining by a pool, which sounds pretty good uh, in, in just on paper, you know. It could be by the ice fields of the Antarctic, but uh, instead he's by the pool of Bethesda. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher it. If you're listening right now and you hear me mispronounce any of these names, I'm apologizing in advance. I am not a scholar. And uh, yeah, it's 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 just going to be part of this podcast is just me mispronouncing stuff. But with that said, uh, this man was, he was an invalid for 38 years and Jesus walked, walks by and sees him. And the, the context of the pool is there's like a stirring of the waters and people believe that if they got into the waters that they could actually be healed. So, you know, it's possible that he was like close to the water so that when that happened, that he would potentially have the opportunity to be healed. But for whatever reason, uh, he hasn't been healed yet. And so I think this is the setup uh, for just kind of talking about, like, do you actually want to be healed? Like, w- like, are you willing to do what it takes to be healed? And in the, in the, in the Bible, the, God asks the man after he sees him and, uh, you know, has compassion for him. Which I want to come back to that in a minute because I actually have like a, a, a really cool thought on that. But he has compassion on him and and just says to the man, you know, do you want to be healed? And the interesting thing is instead of the man answering, I would like to be healed, sir. Yes, that would be fantastic. Uh, he actually comes up with a bunch of excuses to why he hasn't been healed yet. And I think what what Witt was trying to to point out was if he really wanted to be healed, all he had to say was yes. But instead, he was looking at his, his circumstances and giving all the reasons why he hadn't been healed. He has the creator of the universe. He has the guy who actually, you know, the God who created him standing before him with essentially the power to do whatever, uh, whatever he wants. Uh, and is And he's willing because he says he looked at him and he had compassion for him. And the guy starts with excuses. And I, I wish I could say I can't relate to that. But I think that the, um, the, the, the part of this message that really cuts deep is I think that everybody, well, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from personal experience. Um, there was times where I was, you know, uh, reflecting on the inside going, are there certain things that I'm clinging on to? Is, is there a comfortability in my past or, or just, you know, you know, my life? Uh, because I might classify that as experience. I might classify that as what qualifies me for something or helps me uh, define my identity. And I might not be willing to give that up. And I think that that's the, you know, the really hard part of hearing a message like this is because... I think it got real pretty quick and pretty early uh, when he started talking about that. Yeah, it brings to my mind, and you began to hit on it. You said the word identity, and a lot of times when we hear that question, whether directly, you said, from the creator itself, or kind of just the proverbial idea that comes from scripture of, do you want to be healed? It's like we interpret that as, why have you not healed yourself? Why have you not already accomplished this? So we start unloading a lot of these excuses of either why we have not or why we justifiably actually have. 
either one of them being the wrong answer because we didn't really take the question correctly. We took the question as if we were the author of our healing or the author of our success. And Jesus is asking that man, like you said, as the creator, do you want to be healed? I mean, from a black and white sense, all you have to do is say yes. Jesus has already shown at that point several times he healed people. So if you're the guy at that pool and you've been hearing about the blind man who got healed, about the lame man who walked, about all these, the leper who got healed, you hear about these people and then Jesus comes to you. Why don't you just objectively say, yes, heal me? And it's because we have something inside of us that begins to cloud our thinking and cloud our judgment to see things that aren't really there, to conclude things that aren't really true and hear questions that aren't really being asked. And it's because our identity rests in our own failures or even our own successes. And rather than our identity resting in Christ and what he did, the redemption and the redemptive work he did in our lives. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, when, when God's asking that question, um, if I were to put myself in that guy's shoes, I'd be, the answer would be, well, yeah, of course I want to be healed. I've been trying for 38 years. And I think that the if you read a little deeper into that, I've been trying for 38 years. And I think that's maybe a little bit of a pride thing. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to pop up a lot in our conversations here because I think we all deal with pride in some capacity. But I think the other part of it is that we want to be healed and we're trying. And I think sometimes we want to highlight the things that we've done um, that that are showing that we've been trying as opposed to just saying, God, I just need you to heal me. I, just, I, I think when you're looking at just uh, trying to be successful and, and try to have accomplishments and, and, and kind of building this kingdom that you have, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm doing the best that I possibly can. I bet you he, I bet you there was days in the 38 years, I bet you there was a day that he saw that water moving just before everybody else. And he was like, today is the day. Today is the day that I'm ju- I'm going to get in this water. So I don't know how, but I'm going to get in. And he just is like dragging his elbows. And he's just kind of, you know, just working his way closer to the water. And some guy sees that. And, you know, he's maybe, he, maybe his challenge is, is not being able to walk. His challenge is something else. And, man, he's in the water. And this guy's just getting beat down and down and down. And he's like, man, I'm trying the best that I possibly can to do this. And that's why I haven't been healed yet. It's not because I'm not, it's not because I I don't want to, I definitely want to, you know, why would I be sitting by this pool if I didn't want to be healed? This is sounding a lot like me uh, talking to myself a little bit, (laughs) you know, and it's just like, oh man, like I am trying here. I'm trying here, but you know, you have the creator of the universe standing in front of you and he's asking you finally. And so, you're starting to give those excuses as opposed to just saying, yes, I want to be healed. <clears throat> if, if I were to think a little deeper into that, I have two thoughts. One, did he really have to get into the water? Did he really have to get in the water? If he, if he had to get into the water to be healed, could, could God have healed him if he had, you know, prayed for it or if, you know, some other circumstance from a faith perspective, because, you know, maybe maybe that's something he just didn't consider or maybe he just felt that the only way to do that, like that was the doctors of their time, right? The doctors of my time is getting in this water, so that's what I'm going to do. That's the only way I can be healed. The other part of it is this, and I and I don't want to be too hard on myself or, or too hard on this guy because he obviously is down on his luck, but he, he wasted 38 years of his life um, sitting by a pool. And my my question is, and I think what what Witt's question is, and and what I'm trying to put this through the lens of brotherhood is, is is it possible that you have something that for 38 years, or 30 years, or 10 years, or five years, that's just wasting your time, and it's it's actually it's actually preventing you from being what God or, or from you being what God created you to be. And all it takes is just having the faith or having, um, you know, the, the you're putting down the excuses and 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 the, and the the part that says I have to be the one that does this. I I can hand this off to God and say, God, I need you to heal me. And if you can heal me, which I believe that you can, I'm not wasting 38 years of my life by a pool. I can actually do something now. Can you start? 
you know, serving God and, and make an impact 38 years into your life? Absolutely. But 38 years, one year less than my entire lifespan right now was sat by a pool, uh, distracted from his true potential. Cut that in half. How much more of a difference could he make in half that amount of time, in a third of that amount of time? I think that's the the bigger question, especially from a from a brotherhood perspective, is God has the ability to heal you. The same God that healed this man by the pool, the same God that created the heavens and the universe, like we talked about in the Bridenstine Breakfast, that power is available to us. The question is, is are you willing to put down your excuses, put down your pride, and say, God, I just need you to, I, yes, I, I am willing. I want you to heal me. I will do whatever it takes. Um, but it, it's it's going to be different. And, you know, he may have been really comfortable by that pool, but it, it, it could have been completely different. Maybe that was keeping him from that. Well, I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, man, to to waste my potential by staying comfortable by the pool and, you know, coming up with my own excuses – I hope that that's not my life. Yeah, I think inside that answer, yes, is the hard part is the submission to God's lordship over our lives. You know, really, when you when he has to say yes to who he recognizes as the Messiah, he's also saying that whatever you have me do, including, and this is tough, and I'm not trying to make a theological statement here, but go with me for a second. He's When he says yes, do you want to be healed? And he says, yes, he's, and he's submitting that to God. He's also including Jesus responding, well, I'm not going to do it. You know, what if your entire life stayed the way it is? Now, that's not God's heart. It's not the nature of Jesus to do, to do that. But when you give full submission, you're kind of including that in the package. And our pride wants to say, no, I'm going to hold that back because I only want this done one way, and it's the one, it's the one way I have already seen it in my head. So I'm only giving a little bit of the yes to Jesus. I'm only giving a little bit. I think from a brotherhood standpoint, very few of us. So when you when you put this only in the framework of a lame man by a pool, these are difficult conversations to have because you think your your compassion goes out to someone who can't walk, who's been sitting as a beggar for 38 years. But when you put this in the framework of, do I want to have a better marriage? Do I want to have a better relationship with my kids? Do I want to have a better thought life? Do I want to have a stronger presence in my job for Christ or just a stronger leadership presence in my job? Those are things that we want to hold on to a little bit here. We want to hold on to our own little selfishness, our own little bit of a kingdom we might have, our own little prideful world. We don't want to give that part up because we really kind of want both. We kind of want the blessings, but we also want to be able to sin when we want to sin. So saying, yes, I want to be healed is also saying, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. So if the step... I always think about the question he asked. Jesus tells him, it's not really a question. The command he gives him right after that, he does it to the other lame man. Uh, Peter and John do it later. They tell him to rise up and walk. We see that statement is so simple. Just like, oh yeah, just rise up and walk. But you're talking to somebody who's never walked feasibly or possibly not walked in 38 years. And he has to, in front of everybody, without going into the pool, without any significant evidence of being healed, somehow ignite his legs to stand up and then walk away with his mat, risking falling, risking it not working, risking him being embarrassed, risking more injury to himself. So that's a huge step of obedience that he has to do that somehow it often drops in my life like, okay, am, am I willing to not take the last word in this argument with my wife? Am I willing to pray for her rather than to convince her that she should do it my way? You know, am I willing to pray to God to help me love her in the way he would love her rather than just wanting it to be the way I pictured in my head. I think there's a lot to be discussed with brotherhood there. And a lot of that is being a, is where the brotherhood comes into play. That is very difficult to see, much less do, when you're alone and by yourself without relationship. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking on with that is that everything changes for this guy as soon as he stands up. 
his whole his whole life is different. So he he has that um, the quote that that Witt uh, had from Judd Wilhite. Sometimes a familiar captivity feels more comfortable than an unfamiliar unfamiliar freedom. I think I think that's maybe a little bit of the struggle of of embracing that change because he's going outside of his comfort zone. He's you know he's stepping outside of everything in the sense of just just by standing up because once he can walk again. There's no reason to be by that pool anymore. There's no there's no re- there's no reason to be a beggar anymore. Like he can work. Like he he has his life has meaning, his life has purpose. And I think that you know part of the thing that's kind of put in front of us is you know if we take that stand, if we if we are fully committed and handing our 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 full control of our life over to Christ, uh everything changes. Would you agree? So if everything ch- yeah, so if everything changes, if you're sitting here listening today and you're going, wow, my whole life changes? Now, it, it changes for the good, but at the same time, it changes. And it, it changes a lot. I mean, you might have to you know, change your friend group. You might have to uh, move. You might have to change your job. You might have to... you know. Uh, you know, throw some things away. You might have to um, reconcile your relationship with somebody. You might have you might have to do some really, really uncomfortable stuff, because when you are walking with Christ, your life changes, and because you start to emulate and you start to model uh, His example for us. And in that, I have to love my brother. I have to love uh, and see people as Christ sees people. I don't like doing that sometime, which is is probably not a good place to say that, say this, but you know, it's tough for me. And I, I don't know, have you ever been to like a, a grocery store or even just driving on the highway? Like we're on like 169 is our main main highway here. Somebody pulls in front of you. Am I am I sitting there going, man, that is that is God's son. That is God's daughter in front of me. Like they, you know, they must be having a bad day. No. It I I I don't know if you say this out loud or inside your head, but something to the effect of who does it what is wrong with this person? What like who do they think they are? They're just like completely oblivious going in and out of traffic and and whatever else. My mindset is not thinking of you know, their safety and, and, you know, how I can bless them. My mindset is like, you're slowing me down. You're getting in my way. Like you're messing up what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. I've been having some conversations with God in the last, uh, it's been a couple of years where I just decided one day I was going to be real in the sense of, it's going to be honest on telling God that there were some certain things I just liked, you know, so I've had that conversation where somebody pulls in front of me and, you know, I want to, uh, holler out some things that aren't becoming of a Christian. And, you know, I want to get to a angry place and I've done that. Then I'll feel that guilt level of like, oh man, you know, I'm supposed to have a you different feel really good for about two seconds. Let, let's not, let's not, uh, let's not subtract from the two seconds. Where That's like, what I'm getting to. Oh, like it felt, it felt great for a second. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, I'll and then the guilt like, comes. You know what, God, I kind of like that. I kind of like getting mad at people who cut me off. I kind of think they deserve it. I kind of like the power struggle there. I like the rush of being able just to holler out whatever I want to without them actually hearing it. Yeah, I like getting mad at some things. And I I think it's okay. It's okay for me to say that to God. I mean, always. He comes back with growth and change and the right kind of response. It's so indicative of the Holy Spirit. But Man, we, so it, what it does is helps me admit to myself that there's some things I actually like about a carnal, sinful nature that I know destroys me. I know destroys my relationships. I know it's not becoming of what the redemption process Christ did in me. I know it's not following forgive others uh, just as Christ has forgiven me. But I still like it. I still want it. And you, and you think about sometimes when you get asked that question, do you want to be well? Underneath the answer, of course I want to be well. I don't want these results. Is another response that says, actually, Lord, I want to keep doing it. I just don't want to get in trouble when I get caught anymore. Or I just don't want to get, I just don't want people to get upset at me for doing it. Or, you know what, Lord, I'm okay with staying by the pool. I just want, I just don't want to be lame anymore. Man, that's, 
Those are tough realities to face, but you have to. If you're going to truly see God work in your life, all the victory God's done in my life is because I finally said, okay, whatever it is, what it, I'll, I enjoy this part. I enjoy you know, getting mad and losing my temper. I think it makes me feel powerful. I think it, it justifies my right to be angry or whatever, but I, I'm giving it up. And that's when God began to move in my life on what temper or anger or whatever it may be. Yeah, well, that's. I think. I think the word choice in this quote is 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 perfect because it's a familiar captivity, and I think that you start to de- you start to put curtains up, uh, the bars on your your windows. You you start to decorate a little bit and be like, oh, this is nice. But I think the the opposite side of that, and I think that's the part that we want to strive toward and hopefully motivate people and not help them feel justified in getting angry at people when they drive, but motivate you to uh, work towards that unfamiliar freedom. Because when you're in a place of freedom, you're in a completely different place from captivity. You have the ability to go and do and impact more. And I think that's what we all want to aspire to do and be. But there's a lot of unknowns to that. And there's a lot of um, uncomfortability with that. One of, one of the things that I wrote down just kind of like was as I was kind of processing everything that what was talking about here was was talking about the thing about uncomfortability is n- nobody likes it right you don't want to be outside your comfort zone but that's where all the magic happens that's where all that's where all the growth happens uh you know um lee talked about you know our kingdom's always under attack that's uncomfortable but as that attack comes we become better that's where we get endurance that's where we grow that's where all these other things happen but the other kind of thing that struck me with uncomfortability is the line of uncomfortability always grows. It's always getting bigger. Because what happens is, as let's say, for example, uh, I've never ridden a bike before. Well, I, I don't want to ride a bike. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to get hurt. I might look like an idiot. And you know, I, I try it and I look like an idiot. I fall down. But then all of a sudden, I get the, like something starts to click a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, if I do this, I don't fall over right away. And then I start to learn and start to grow. Well, guess what? I'm not uncomfortable riding a bike anymore. Uncomfortability has now grown. Now it's like, all right, let's see how fast I can go on this bike. Or let's see how steep a hill I can go up and down with this bike. The uncomfortability grows. You might start with a smaller mountain and then you go bigger and bigger and bigger. And you, you're you constantly fighting to grow outside that uncomfortability, which, which takes us way beyond what we even think that we're capable of. But I think the important part of that freedom is you have the ability to walk through that no matter how uncomfortable it is, you're growing in experience, you're growing in influence, and you're growing uh, in the ability to speak in other people's lives. Because when you overcome that adversity, when you overcome those challenges and those things that uh, that make you uncomfortable, it puts you in a position where you can speak into other people's lives. And if you're free in that and you're not held in that captivity, um, then you can actually influence others and you can grow. You can lead well. You can lead your family well. You can you, you can be ready when the opportunity comes to be that person that somebody else needs. And I think that's I think that's the you know the part that I want to kind of circle back to on did I waste 38 years sitting by a pool because I wasn't willing to be uncomfortable? If if I was truly pushing myself beyond my my comfort could i have impacted these lives could i have done all these all these different things no i i didn't i wasted those years because i wasn't willing to expand that that uncomfortability uh part of being outside my comfort zone you know that's there's a lot of responsibility with that and then i, I don't know if this guy had regrets he, he like now that he sees or you know once he was able to walk and, and do all those things did he regret those 38 years was those thirty eight years uh, thirty eight years of of lost opportunity? Yeah, that's um, you know, there's a lot of things Christians want to bring in that help distract us from that answer. You know, it's easy to quote right now Romans eight twenty eight: all things work together for good or for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. And and we like that. At least our you know our era of Christianity likes that God redeems things, likes that God takes things and makes them new, and that's a huge message of the gospel. But owning up to that question, did I waste thirty eight years, is a sobering question. I think it brings you to a soul standpoint to say, it, well, it motivates me. I can't speak for anybody else, but when I start having to ask myself the question, did I waste today? Did I waste this week? 
you know, have I wasted this month because I didn't stay on task on point with what God has told me to do? You know, there's times I look back, God told me to do something in May that I didn't do till September. And you have to own up to, wow, May, June, July, and August, God had something great for me. He had people for me to impact. He had opportunities for me to walk in, but I kept staying by the pool. I kept staying distracted instead of being obedient to what I knew I was supposed to do. This happens to me in business way too, way too often than I want to admit. But did I, was I distracted? You know, and it's, if you can answer that question, and I think if you can answer it with an honest yes or no, then that's when God can rush in and start redeeming. That's when those scriptures start showing up and God starts doing the new thing. And, you know, the beauty about God's grace and his mercy is that you can waste 38 years and then he can flip it on you. His mercy shows up, his grace shows up, and your experience for the rest of your life is as if that 38 years didn't, ha- uh, it lessened its impact. So speaking to the, I, I love what you're speaking to because we're kind of asking the question of them and listening to that is, are you willing to waste the next second, the next minute, the next hour with your family, with your business, with your purpose? Are you willing to waste that because you just don't want to be well? Because you just don't want to say yes to Jesus. You can also speak to the people who have wasted that time, who are honestly saying, yeah, I actually, I, I, I've not submitted my life to Christ. In, and I'm not ta- even talking specifically on salvation. I'm talking about for those who are saved. There's different areas of life of our life we hold back. If you are that person who's listening and you've wasted X amount of time, weeks, years, months, whatever it is, God can redeem that. But it takes the same answer in both cases. It takes a full yes. I will do what you say. I will be obedient to what you ask, even if it is a something ridiculous as to get up and walk. Yeah. I, well, there's, I wanted to circle back on this part, the kind of beginning part of the verse where he talks about God, uh, Jesus saw the man and he was filled with compassion. Uh, if you're in that situation where you've wasted 38 years, he doesn't see you as being a failure. He doesn't see see you as wasting that time. He has compassion for you. He still sees you in that and is willing to heal you because he was clearly willing to heal this man because when he tells the man to get up, he heals him as soon as the man gets up. And I think that that's, that gives me hope because I screw up a lot. That gives, that gives hopefully you hope to know that no matter what your situation, uh, God is still willing to, to help you. Uh, I was thinking of this verse. I don't remember the, the, the reference point, so you'll have to look it up, but it, it goes something to the effect of he who began a good work in you. I always remember that part, he who began a good work in you, but I don't always remember the second part is willing and able to take it to completion. And I, I think I'm screwing that up. I'm going to have to defer to you a little bit on that. But <clears throat> I think I think the the important part of that is he's willing to complete what he started with you. If you started, like part of my story is, you know, I started, I grew up in the church and I grew up, uh, you know, always knowing Christ and knowing always knowing God, but I never went real deep with it. And then, you know, I got to the teenage years where I, I started to know more than everybody else and and kind of was going to figure it out my, my own way. And I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that I maximized that time. I don't think that I, I did good with it, but, you know, and I made some mistakes. I made some bad choices. I, I did some things that, you know, was not in the best interest of kind of the man that I wanted to be, but I know that God was willing and able and I know now that he's willing and able to take me to completion to my, my the fullness of who he created me to be. And I think that's the part of brotherhood. That's the part that you, why you need a brotherhood. You know, we talked about that in the, in the first podcast, you need a brotherhood. And I think you need a brotherhood because you need somebody to motivate you to not sit by that pool for 38 years. You need somebody to motivate you to, to first of all, see you and have compassion on you if you're in that part, part of your life that you, you think that everything is hopeless and you don't have a purpose. And they see you and, the, and, they, and they can be the voice of God in your life and just say, hey, you know, there's more for you. I see the potential in you. I know that there's more inside of you than you even see inside of yourself. And I want to help you bring that out. That's what a brotherhood is. A brotherhood challenges you to, to expand potentially what your dreams are. Some people don't know, uh, they can't dream larger than their experience. They can't dream larger than the things that they've seen. Their, 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 their dreaming capacity is completely limited to what they believe is actually possible. 
So what you need to do is, is get a brotherhood around you that can show you that more is possible. They can show you that, you know, there's, there's uh, like what a healthy marriage can look like. They can show you what, what a father, uh, son, father, daughter relationship can look like in the fullness of it. You know, you have a brotherhood around you because, you know, hopefully the brother's going to, I'm going to throw you in that pool. I'm a, as soon as that water starts starts bubbling or whatever it was doing, I, I'm throwing you. And uh, if it doesn't work, then, hey, you got a bath out of it, and then we'll go get you, and then we'll bring you back in. But that's what a brotherhood's for. That's why we have the brotherhood is because we need guys around us that are walking in the same direction. We're not we're not circling the mountain. We're we're not the guys with twenty years of experience. Uh, one just one year of experience twenty times, but actually twenty years of experience because we're growing. We're taking ourselves outside of our comfort zone, and we're pushing ourselves to be what God has created us to be. That's why we need a brotherhood. That's why I think this message and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about here ties into it because. If we are complacent, if we're comfortable, if we're in situations where we feel hopeless or we don't necessarily have the proper motivation to get to the place that we need to be, we need that brotherhood around us to pick us up, to challenge us, to take us to that next step in life, that next area where we can continue to grow and hopefully bring others alongside of us. Well, let me just for a moment contrast that with another story of Jesus. This story is found in Luke chapter 5, 17, and you'll remember it when I say it. But it's the, one of the first times I've looked at it through this lens, what you're talking about, having a brotherhood. There was another lame man who Jesus healed, who I would venture to say from at least the oh studying of this story, did not wait and did not, uh, or we won't say the other man necessarily wasted, but he definitely did not wait 38 years. It's the man who his friends, a brotherhood, if you will, let open up the roof of a thatch house where Jesus is speaking, packed to the gills with people, and they lower their brother, quote unquote, friend, whatever it was, related or not. They lower their brother. You mentioned, this is what made me think of it, was someone picks that other guy, throws, throws him in the pool. This effectively happens is they pick this guy up, lay, lower him down on the mat in the middle of a meeting. I mean, he the story goes on and they make a lot of people mad that I think they probably knew they were going to make mad. If I owned the house, I'd be pretty mad. Somebody took my roof apart. (laughs) For real. Took your roof apart. I mean, and lowers the guy and Jesus says nothing about the guy's housing situation. He says nothing about you need to fix this roof. He just says, do you believe that the son of God can forgive sins? And then he contrasts it and says, "If, if the son of God can forgive sins, then he surely can make a lame man walk. And he picks up the guy, forgives his sins first, then tells him to walk. Same thing he tells the guy at the pool beside him. And But this story has got a brighter hope and future because at least the renditions I've seen, and if there's scholars out there that are ready to you know, prove me wrong, I guess message me or whatever, but this guy's a young man. He's younger than foreseeably the guy at the pool beside him. So his friends lower him down. He's healed from that moment on. He does the same thing as the guy from the pool beside it. But you see where his brothers helped him. His brothers picked him up, put him on a mat, carried him, tore open the roof. I mean, those are some committed gentlemen in your life. And you've got to have those if you're going to walk whole in Christ, completely whole. I think that that is, I'm actually going to go back and read it because I think that is a really good description of what a brotherhood is. A brotherhood is that group that's willing to tear a roof apart to get you healed. If you look at, and I was actually looking at it here because I wrote it down in uh, John 5, 7. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to well, I'm coming. Someone else steps down ahead of me. He didn't have somebody to throw him in. He didn't have. He didn't have a mat to, to say, "Hey, water's bubbling. You're going in, buddy." He's be like, "Not again!" Like it didn't work last time, you know. But in this case, these guys, they these guys uh, chose to do whatever it took to get their brother healed. And I, I, I want to transition to this because I think I think it ties in a little bit. Um, it was hard to take apart a roof. It's hard to get a guy up on a roof who can't walk to start taking a roof apart and then figure out a way to mission impossible, lower him down in front of Jesus to be healed. That's difficult, right? That's not, that's not like an easy task. I'm I'm sure that the roof was not made of shingles. It was probably made of like, you know, palm branches or something like that. I don't know what roofs are made like straw anyway. So that was difficult. And that, that was like, you know, way outside of, you know, what, what it would take to, 
to potentially get him in that building. But that's the, that's the heart that they chose. And one of the things that I loved about what Witt was saying in this message is choose your heart. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard too. Choose your heart. I mean, you know, having, you know, raising kids, disciplining your kids, that's hard. Well, you know what else is hard? Having unruly kids that, you know, that don't launch out of your house or that are always getting in trouble. Choose your heart. Which heart do you want? You have to, you have to decide like, all right, I'm, I'm making a choice either way. Even if I choose not to choose, that's a choice. So uh, it's going to be hard. Life is going to be hard. Your kingdom is always under attack. How are you going to respond? Is it hard to defend your kingdom or is it hard to basically be conquered and then slaves to another king? Which one's more hard? They're both hard. They're, they're both, they both suck. You know, that's, that's not what we want. But you have the ability to choose your heart. That change in your life, that, that, that willingness to be healed, that comfortable, um, uh, that, uh, that familiar captivity, man, I had a brain fart there. That familiar captivity, that's hard because you're still in captivity. But choose your heart because if you choose to go in the direction that that is your purpose and you choose to go in the direction uh, together with a brotherhood, it's still going to be hard. But you know what? There's so much fulfillment in that. Because man, I would love after after like if, if it's me, you, and Johnny and Mark, and I'm low, we're lowering you down, and Jesus heals you. Like, how cool is that that afternoon and evening going to be? Like, we're like, hey, can you believe that we did that? Like, just like how like I don't think that people talk about that part of it. It's just like, man, you know, <clears throat> I've never saved somebody's life before, but I would equivalent uh, I would uh, uh, take that instance right there and say like that was the equivalent of me saving somebody's life because I'm I'm take I'm completely changing their life because I was willing to do whatever it took to get them there. And I think that's why we need a brotherhood. It's going to be hard, but let's do it with a brotherhood because we're going to stretch ourselves. We're going to push ourselves to what God created us to be, the fullness of that. We're not going to waste that time. We're not going to sit back and be complacent with, you know, the familiar captivity that we have. We're going to choose that freedom and we're going to choose the impact that we can make because of that. Because the other side of that, we've talked about a little bit, is regret. If you choose the easy hard, that comes with regret. And I don't, I don't want to be in that position. I can't get regret back. But if I, if I do choose my purpose and I choose what God created me to be, you know what's on the other side of that? Well done. That's what's on the other side. Which one do you want? Yeah, I'll take you to a space two years in a row. I've walked through a similar situation with, you know, I, I wasn't lame. But so last year, this is a, pre-COVID, of course, we hit a month where I did about 30% of what I got to do every month for my business in order to keep things moving. And then a year later, of course, COVID hits. March 16th, everything shut down. I went from having a fully booked March and April to zero. Everybody called and canceled. It's so all of a sudden I've got six weeks to book and I've got, I got employees that I don't want to leave to go on unemployment. And I've got to find work. So in both instances, I needed to go find work. I needed to go find sales. I needed to find jobs. I needed to find the clients out there that needed our services. Even if everybody else seemed to dry up and hold tight to their money, there were people out there that I believe could use what we offer. Well, in both situations, I called up my quote unquote brothers, guys who I was in relationship with, who were either on my mountain man team or were just, I've known them for years. And I was like, listen, will you pray with me? Will you fast with me? I've got to get money in the door. I've got to get sales. I need wisdom. I need insight. So two years ago, I sat there and both of these guys fasted and prayed with me for a couple of weeks. And honestly, it's way hard, easier for me to fast and pray under the emotional and financial stress I was under than it is for them. You know, they're really, their life, you know, not that it's just easy, but everything was going well business-wise for them. They were doing it on my behalf, but they still chose to do it. I was able to rise up out of that because of what God did. This COVID situation, 
you know, March 15th, they shut down in Oklahoma. March 16th, I've got nothing for six weeks. And that was all, the rest of March and all of May are all of April. And I called similar guys, two of the same guys from the previous year before, and then three or four more guys that I developed a relationship with. And I asked them, I said, listen, I need you to pray. And I need you to fast with me. I've got to get wisdom. And God gave me a couple ideas that breached our, we ended up doing April bigger than we did the previous year. We we only got about 60% of our capacity of work. But then by the time we got to May, we're back up to 100% while a lot of the country is shut down. And what God did is he just gave me a couple ideas and that the country needed or our, you know, my specific part of the country needed at the time in the middle of the COVID deal. And of course, we're still in it, but it was in the major crucial part of it. And wow, I mean, it's those men that did hard things. And in this case, we were on the phone every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. praying. And these guys are waking up and some of them have trouble with their businesses. Some of them don't. Some of them, they're just praying because they're part of this group we have. And that's the picture of brotherhood that we want everybody listening to have. And you don't get it unless you show up the first time at an event or unless you call a brother, you call a friend. It doesn't have to be, you know, let's, let's widen this out. It doesn't have to be part of quote unquote. Church on the Move Brotherhood, but you do need to develop relationships. You need to call men who you have just surface level relationships with and try to push it a little bit deeper. Try to go a little bit further. Try to ask questions like, you know, what are you reading in scripture? What's going on in your life? What can I do to pray for you? If you don't start that development of relationships right now, when you need it, it's not going to be there and you will need it one day. Yeah, I'm glad you, well, I'm not glad that you had to go through that, but I'm glad that you shared the story because I think that, um, I think that, you know, a lot of guys have probably walked through similar times or maybe haven't yet, but I know that when I walked through a time like that, I didn't have anybody I could call. And I'm pretty sure that on those Wednesday morning calls, when you hung up the phone, you felt differently than I did on that Wednesday morning. That Wednesday morning... I had hopelessness. I had I had despair. I had I had just a lot of just um, helplessness. Like I didn't I didn't know I didn't know what to do next. I only know I only knew to do what I knew how to do. And the funny thing was is like like a ways in, I was like, oh yeah, I should pray about this. But I didn't have a brotherhood at the time. Like I probably should have been doing that the first time. Um, <clears throat> I didn't. I you know I'm I, I'm not. Uh, in, in that capacity where I was completely saying, hey, God, this is yours. Like, this is stewardship. I was in the, like, this is something I built. This is something that I've created. This is something that, you know, I have to figure out how to fix. So, like, my mind was churning, and that's all I was trying to do. But I think your Wednesday mornings were a little different because you probably hung up that phone and you just said, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know that God's going to make a way. And you probably had clarity and focus and were able to uh, be more efficient with your time. Uh, And you started to see the doors open. You started to see the opportunities probably way sooner than I did uh, and with a lot less gray hair um, than I have. But I right, yeah, okay. <laughs> don't you're take just, that the wrong way. I'm just, I'm just from like, no, no, it wasn't that. Like I was, I'm as I'm saying it, I'm like, I'm trying to make this point, and I don't want Matt to twist it. But <laughs> all I'm saying is that I I was very stressed in that time, and I it I carried it. I carried it into my marriage. I carried it into my relationships. I carried it into coping with it somehow. I, I carried it into a lot of different things and just trying to numb myself and just say, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just, I'm just going to put it off until tomorrow and I'm going to procrastinate. And when you do that, all you're doing is you're just, you're just that stress and that worry just is you're, you're feeding it. You're just giving it more time to, to, to build. But you know, that's why you need that brotherhood. You need that brotherhood that's there for you that you can call and just say, Hey guys, I just need you to pray. I need to, I need to, I like food. So if you'd call and ask me to fast, that's a pretty big ask for me. But you know, I, I think that, you know, that you had people that were willing to take that time and say, I, you know what, I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you and we're going to go into battle together and I'm just going to be there for you and I'm going to be cheering for you. And if I can think of an opportunity that, you know, we can, we can get you something that's just going to help you get through this. 
I'm going to bring it to you. And then now I got two brains working. I got three brains working out. I got, I got a whole network of brothers that are working together to help you overcome that because I know that there's going to be a time that I need that. And so I, it's, it's like moving, you know, I don't know if you've moved a couple of times. I help people move because at some point, like I knew I was going to move and I was going to need people to help me to move. If that's where the brotherhood is a little bit, uh, I don't know if that's the best analogy, but like we're investing in each other because we're at, at some point we're all going to need the brotherhood. And so we all are going to need that that person that's going to stand with us and walk through that. And that they're going to give us that hope to where you don't have that stress. You don't have that worry because no matter what the situation is, you know that God's going to be there. And you're, you, you have people standing beside you that are reminding of you that, that are challenging you and pushing you to, you know, what, what God has for you. Yeah. Note to self, do not invite Evan to help you move because he will invite you back. <laughs> that is the secret. I mean, you said something incredible that I think has to be pulled out here. So let's take the, both of those stories. There are men right now that are like, man, that's awesome. I want a community of men. That's fantastic. But there's other men that are saying, you know what? Results are results. Evan got through it. Matt got through it. So what? Matt felt a little bit better. Evan didn't. Big deal. But here's what it produces that's more important than the success. Let's assume both of us, and I think it's safe to assume both of us got through that fairly successful. We figured it out. We solved the problems, whatever it may be. Okay, but those who choose not to do this the way God has for it, you mentioned something, coping mechanisms. We tend to draw towards things that deal with stress that end up creating death in our lives. And that death comes later when we're not looking for it. That death doesn't show up in the middle of the crisis. It shows up later when things are great. So having a brotherhood, putting yourself in relationship with God helps you walk through those challenges while using the Holy Spirit to be to touch that part of your soul that's stressed, to heal that part of your soul that needs that release, that needs that um, whatever it is as men or just really as human beings, we need something to dull the pain for a moment. When you brotherhood do it, but then God working through people, there's less opportunity for the enemy to slide in and destroy the things God does in your life because you have men around you than then when you don't have men around you. And that's the real, I think, crux of this story, these stories is that even if you make it through successfully, even if you're by yourself, you do the lone wolf, you, you know, you're the guy out there on the horse and you end up you know, defeating all the enemy. If you end up and you turn around and everybody, every relationship is still been destroyed, you've not walked in what God has for you. Mm -mm. No, you've, 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 it's, uh, it goes back to your kingdom and like, how is life for people in your kingdom? You know, you, you have a, a position that you're, you're, you're navigating, you have responsibility, but you also have relationships and you have, you have people and family around you. And how are those people as you walk through that, you know, was I the greatest person when that happened? I, I actually don't know. Uh, I, I don't know that I completely reflected on, on all of it, but I don't know that I was fully, fully there. I don't know that I was fully investing in those relationships and available for other people that potentially needed me. I know I wasn't that. And so I think that, you know, from a results standpoint, you know, I've talked about this before. When I say I need help, that's me recognizing that I, you know, I have my limits. And, but at the same point, it's humility allowing myself to say, I need to bring other people in that can help me learn and grow. And then I accelerate that process. I think for you in your situation, you were able to accelerate that process, whereas I took that process to completion as long as it probably took, as opposed to getting out of that situation much faster. And I think that's just as much of a part of it. I love what you said about like, you know, what we do in those times of stress shows up when when things are good. You know, that's 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 a tough one to, to process because I don't know that people fully know sometimes the damage that they do until it's too late. And so, you know, you have those relationships and you have those people around you that maybe you had influence in their lives. And that's the only time that you maybe had an opportunity to speak into somebody's life. And you couldn't do that because you were going through your own stuff. You were distracted. You were sitting by that pool um, because you were so focused on just trying to survive and get through it that you forgot to look around and realize that there's other people on this journey for you or there's other people inside your kingdom, um, you know, 
it's <clears throat> what does it have to do with uh, I think there's a quote about reputation um, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and one decision to ruin it or one action to ruin it you know that's that's where that weakness comes in you know you hear people say that wasn't me like I know I know I did that but that wasn't me you know that's that's when that stress comes in that's when those challenges come in that you're outside your comfort zone and you don't have a brotherhood you don't have those people challenging you to be the best version of yourself walking through that sometimes that's when the dark side of of your personality or 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 just you know those challenges shine through and and it may not be you that may not be the person that you are but in that situation because of the stress because of everything else you made a poor decision and we all make bad decisions but sometimes it gets magnified in stress. Stress makes me, I, I say the dumbest things when I'm stressed or frustrated. And I, I, I have less patience. I have less compassion. I have less empathy. I am not ready and able to help people when I'm stressed and frustrated. And what I want to make sure that I'm, I am, especially now, and, and you know, going through life situations, I, I was able to grow and learn from it. But it's just that much more important for me now that if I'm in a stressful situation or I'm in a situation uh, where, you know, I, it's bigger than me, which is pretty much all of my life now, um, that I'm not going to walk through that stress. I'm not going to walk through that, you know, with, with challenges of, and then, and treat people horribly throughout that and, and damage relationships. So there's, there's a lot to that. And uh, man, I've, I've enjoyed talking about it because I think that, you know, even in some of the message that, you know, this was specifically talking about, which is this is more talking about just having hope for, you know, restoration in your relationships and having hope just to be healed. I, I think that not necessarily all people are in a situation where they even feel like they can be healed because, you know, of whatever circumstances. I think the key point on this is looking at the decisions that you're making and knowing that you have the creator standing in front of you, willing to heal you and with the compassion to heal you. And you have to decide, are you willing to get up? Are you willing to walk away from the comfortability of sitting by the pool for the uncomfortability of walking into the world and into a completely different life? And I think that's the challenges. He gives an example, and I'm not going to read it, but I do encourage you to read the, uh, or, or especially listen to where he, he reads the excerpt uh, from The Great Divorce from C.S. Lewis. And I won't go too deep into that just because uh, I think you just need to hear the whole thing. I don't think that I can encapsulate it in a summary, but it, it perfectly illustrates the, the struggle between having a, an issue, having a challenge, having baggage or, or whatever it is in your life. And having that be a part of you that you're not willing to potentially get rid of, even though the there is an opportunity to completely um, remove that from your life and move forward. I think that that was just, as he read it, I'm, I'm like, I'm like that audience member yelling at the, at the, the movie screen, like, don't walk in there. Don't do that. Like, just, you know, just, just, just do what the guy says. Like, I don't, what are you thinking? Why are you justifying it? Like, you know, you, you'll you'll probably have that frustration, but it was it was a really good example. It, it has to, it's a it's a, a story about an angel and a and a, a ghost with a lizard in its ear. I don't I don't even know if I'm encapsulating that properly, but yeah, read that because it's it's really good. Um, I want to I want to kind of tie it all together if we can, because I think that the true question comes down to what are you willing to give up. Are you willing to get rid of the thing that is actually killing you? Whether that is, you know, a relationship, whether that's, you know, eating, whether it's drinking, whether it's smoking, whether it's uh, exercise, like, are you willing to give up the uncomfortability of where you at, where you're at in life? Because I don't, I don't know that I, I, there's a very small group of people that I would say are like fully walking in their purpose because they fully given their purpose to God. Are you willing to fully give your purpose to God and walk away uh, and just know that that life changes on the other side? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be well? Are you willing to get healing? Because that's where the hope is. Hope is there. The opportunity is there. But are you willing to step into that and give up maybe the life that you've been leaving? I, that's a tough question for a lot of people to hear. And, I, and I, I think you need a brotherhood to really answer that and to stick to it. Yeah, there's a many different reasons why two that come to mind is one that's not just one last answer we always want to present that as if all we have to do is say yes once and then 
boom, I've given my life to Christ. But really, it's a series of yeses that says, yes, I'm giving this up. And yes, okay, now that I took it back, I'm giving it up. And yes, yes, I'm going to give this up. And I'm going to give this up. And I'm going to give this up. Knowing God brings it back. But there's always that risk, that moment right there where God may not, or he's not probably not going to bring it back in how you envision in your mind. The other thing I see is that when you're in a brotherhood, this is by far to me the most unique and helpful part of being in a brotherhood. And I would go as far as to say that it is probably the value I would bring out every time. And that is it helps me see things that I would have never seen before. You know, I I never, um, I've rarely had relationships in my life that were direct one-on-one where someone was invested in what I was doing and I could ask them questions and they would point things out that I didn't see. What happens more often is I'll be around men who I respect, who I've learned to care for, who I like, who I enjoy, who I laugh with, and I'll watch them do something. I'll hear about them interacting in a way, and it challenges me because I have to right there acknowledge I don't do that well, or wow, they do that better than I do. Or sometimes it's more than that. It's I don't even know to do that. I don't even consider to do those things. And that when you put yourself in a place where men around you can help you see, you know, there's a guy spoke at the breakfast a few, several months ago, talked about blind spots. They help you see blind spots that you can't see yourself. That's where, when you start asking the question, do you want to be well? Or do you want to give up the thing that's giving, that's keeping you back? Sometimes you don't even know the thing to give up. And then you see it one day and you realize, oh, there it is. That guy he gets up early. Or you know what? That guy's working late. This guy's doing what he should do. Wow. That guy spent the whole Sunday with his family. That's that's interesting. I didn't do that. It's those points of interest that I see with the men around me. It's why I value the breakfast. It's why, the, why I value other events that I go to that, you know, whether it's uh, mountain men's a part of the brotherhood, it's why I value that. It's because when I get into the midst of those men, they start talking about things. They start bringing out things, and inevitably the Holy Spirit will shine a light on something and say, you see that, Matt? This is why you have the challenge you do, and you don't even know it. And then I can answer that question. Yeah, I'll give that up, Lord. I'll give up that a little bit. That's it. That is the value. And so that for those of you listening, that's where I think the value is. In my opinion, the value of the brotherhood is great relationship, yes. It's laughing, yes. It's fun. It's probably having hunting buddies, fishing buddies, all those different things. But the most important strength I get from it is because other men help me see things that I would never see on my own. And it's then I can answer the question, yeah, I'll give up that part, Lord, because I want that in my life, just like you have done in their life. Well, I think the other side of it too is... uh you know, with with God, He's He's modeled that when there's a death, there's also a resurrection, and I think that when you have a brotherhood, you can you have the um, ability to see other people's uh, resurrections from things that they've given up. You know, there may be something that you're in a situation, you're like, I just don't know that I can give this up. I don't know that I can walk towards that. Like, I want the freedom, but you know, I. I, I just don't know that I can do it because I don't know what the other side looks like. And you have that brotherhood to say, I've been there. I've done that. I've given it up. You know, there was a, there was, I completely, you know, uh, allowed God to work in that. And he took that mess and he turned it into this. And I think that that gives you hope. I think that gives you, you know, an ability to see what is possible when we talk about, you know, expanding your dreams and, and expanding your your vision for what what is capable for your life? That's exactly what we're talking about is having that brotherhood that's there to to walk through that with you and say, it's okay to get rid of whatever that thing is. It's okay to be healed from that because here's what like if you have two legs, I don't know if you've tried snow skiing, but it's amazing. Like I, you know, laying by a pool is pretty cool. But you can climb the mountain, like a little appeal to the, the mountain climbers. We can also ski down it. We can, we can, you know, run really fast. We can ride bicycles. We can, you know, we, we can explore. We can do all of these different things with our legs. And all you know is this pool. That's it. And I'm going to show you what's, what's possible because I've been there. I've walked past this pool and seen what's on the other side. And there's a waterfall with rainbows and 
whoever, whatever else is just absolutely beautiful that you want to describe, that's what's on the other side. And you have that brotherhood that can walk through that with you and, and show you what that potentially can be. That's, that's why I think we wanted to talk about this. That's why we wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this message because we want you to know that there's hope for your life. We want you to know that, you know, you have a God that's willing to heal you and is, is willing to take whatever mess that you have, that baggage that you've carried with you from your your circumstances, from just, you know, your experience or maybe even your identity of who you think you are. And, and you're willing to say, God, take my identity. Take, take this. Uh, heal me. I want to be well. I want to be in a place of freedom so that I'm in a position that I can help somebody else. That's the best position that you can possibly be. If you're in that position, you're willing, you're, you're able. That's what Mountain Men's shown me is, am I ready? Am I ready if, if, if my brother needs me? Am I so focused on my stuff that I can't help my brother? Or do I have capacity in my life that I can take time and say, you know what? I, I can be there for you. I can be there that if it's two o'clock in the morning and you need to talk to somebody, you can call me. You know, if, if you're, if, if your business is struggling and you want to, you want to talk every Wednesday morning and have breakfast and just, you know, just unload some of these burdens that you have, I'm, I'm ready. I, I have the capacity to do that. That's where that freedom comes where you're not so distracted with everything that you have and all the challenges that you have in your life that you can be there for other people and and walk with those people and and go towards the same goal and and be what you're you're created to be. I always come back to that for some reason. I I, I want us to be the fullness of our purpose. And I think that that I, I don't think I can summarize it any better than that other than to say that what God has created you to be, what God has designed you specifically for is the meaning. It's what we're what we were destined to do. Like we were created for a purpose. And if I if if anything that we can talk about on this just constantly points you to that. I mean, in this message, he says, Do you want to be well? Like probably 50 times. Do you want to be well? Do you want to walk towards your purpose? Do you want to be what God created you to be? That's what I would challenge you to do. That's what that's what I would hope that that you want for your life to see that there's something bigger than that. Matt, we got to wrap this up because we're, we're we're rolling again, and you know, I, I this time has flown by. But I, I do want to save some for maybe like other podcasts here because I, I actually had a whole another thing about fearing God in here that we didn't get to talk about. But uh, do you have any final thoughts? I want to give you an opportunity to kind of wrap it up, and then then we'll be on our way. Yeah, thanks for asking. I want to drop this real quick. You know, we talked about you know, the man who who could, you know, how much better it would be if he could walk? Could he climb a mountain, ski down a mountain? I, I think if I dropped that in somebody's kitchen right now, it'd be, what would you do if you didn't have that insecurity? What would you do if you didn't have that problem with authority? What would your life be like if you didn't always have to prove you're right? What would, what would your life be like if you could get rid of that vice? Those are the things that, you know, it might be easy to for most of us to dismiss the difference between being able to walk and not being able to walk. But all of us deal with insecurities. All of us deal with pride. All of us deal with these things that if we were honest with ourselves, we realize they've held us back at some point in time. They've distracted us at some point in time. They've kept us from being on our purpose. And what would life look like if you gave that to Christ and it was no longer an issue, no longer an obstacle in your life? Awesome. Love it, Matt. Thank you for... Hopping on here and, and helping us, helping me develop this, uh, you know, as a, as we continue to grow this and, and continue to have these conversations, uh, I don't, I'm just speaking from my experience, this is like our third one, but I feel like, you know, we're just unlocking more and more of, of all the experience that we have in, in our walk and hopefully challenging other people in their walk and, and in the direction that they're going. So with that, brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.